Hello, welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Len from Miami, and with me is my co-host, Logar the Barbarian. Hello, Logar. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. How's today treating you? Uh, it's been, I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a day. It's not been a bad day. It's, it's got cold again. I was expecting the warmth to be here. Let's, we wanted to talk about something a little specific. Like we wanted to start exploring genres of role-playing games. Yeah, yeah. I think what might be fun here, you know, role-playing obviously has, when you say role-playing games, you know, everyone thinks Dungeons and Dragons because of course that sort of medieval fantasy kind of thing is, is what we all do, but, and what we all think of. But obviously role-playing game, even from the very beginning, you know, there was science fiction, there were superhero role-playing games, there's modern role-playing games, spies. And so I thought it might be neat to look at the different genres of role-playing games. And you talk a little bit about, you know, each one and, and uh, not just talk about in general, but maybe see, you know, what we think are, you know, what's good about playing in one genre and, and what's maybe not so good about playing in a particular genre and maybe even say, hey, you know, here are a few games. If you like this genre, you, you, you may want to check out. Oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something here. I, I played mostly predominantly science fiction and superhero games for probably the first, like, well, at least the first five years of me playing role-playing games or so. And then when I started playing other games, when I actually played D and D for the first time. I wasn't that into Dungeons and Dragons, in fact, back in the day, like in the 80s and 90s, when we were like too cool for school and like punk rock kids, like we were kind of little shitheads and dicks. <laughs> and we were mean about things. Um, and and how now you hear people like talking down about fifth edition. We definitely did that to Dungeons and Dragons in the 90s. I still played Dungeons and Dragons then, AD&D with other groups. But it was always like, oh, man, we'll play D&D. We want to play riffs we're gonna play whatever game we were getting into at the time dude it was the 90s if you weren't using stat plus skill you were so lame <laughs> um and if you weren't using a dice pool you weren't even you weren't even you weren't even worth it you're playing that baby game whatever yeah i got you sure of course yeah we, we talked it was wasn't it was at some point in time i fell in like became the biggest advocate of playing the like older editions of D and D. And that was before I even knew about an OSR and I just really fell in love with those old AD and D stuff. We're talking about genres. I've played a lot of genres of games. I don't think I've begun to play the amount of genres that are out there. And I don't think I can DM most genres sufficiently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'll bet you could. I'm going to I'm going to push back on that one. But you know what? Since we're talking about this, it, it might even make sense to kind of talk about what we're talking about a little bit. You know, because when you think genre, you know, when you first think about that. You're really thinking of this sort of like literary genre. You know, you're thinking about I think Oxford defines it as like a category of work of art, especially a literary work, um, you know, that's characterized by a particular form or style or purpose like that. And when you're talking about role playing games, right? Well, you're kind of talking about the same thing, but there's some people who will argue about like some genres aren't really genres, like uh, uh, steampunk. Uh, some people like steampunk isn't really a genre. It's just it's it's a bunch of clothing and trappings. But if you take away like the clothing and trappings, 
please tell me what defines steampunk. And you're like, uh, people pretending to have British accents. There was a comic, I think Chris Pacello might've done the pencils and it may have been the late nineties or the early two thousands that had come out. It was just called steampunk and it was a gorgeous book. I loved it. When I heard steampunk, my mind goes to that. That's why I said it was a cool book. I'm not saying that I agree one way or another, but I think what I'm saying very clearly is I'm not smart enough to get into that conversation. Well, here's the thing, too. So, so like when I was younger and probably when you were younger, too, like take us back to the 80s, like when it came to music or even like, uh, I guess, genre fiction, there were far less genres than there seem to be now. Like some of the things that I considered one genre 30 years later are in a genre that I never heard of. And someone's talking about post hardcore and I'm like, oh, well, we just called that punk 30 years ago. <laughs> like it wasn't post hardcore then. So I'm a little thrown off and out of date when it comes to classifications of genres often. I may have to Google it <laughs> to figure out. I'm exactly the same. And I think that's always the case, right? Because I mean, right now, at least when we grew up, science fiction and fantasy were definitely different things. Oh, yeah. And yet yeah. when science fiction and fantasy were first around, they they weren't, you know, Robert E. Howard and Clark Ashton Smith and, you know, the sort of pulp writers, all that stuff was sort of thrown together and there wasn't a real clear distinction you know, and you don't have, you have a few games like, like, like uh, Sword and like the uh, amazing, like Hyperborea, the one that we play. I love it. Where they've got sci-fi. Hey, there's sci-fi in my fantasy, you know? And yeah, that was very common for me growing up. Sci-fi fantasy always merged. Terry Brooks, um, Sword of Shannara was that way. It's a post-apocalyptic world that elves and dwarves essentially evolved from people at uh, some point in time in the distant future. And that was traditional fantasy. Lots of fantasy, sci-fi uh, what's her name? Marion Zimmer Bradley, I believe it was. Is she the one that did the dark? What was that that world she did? She wrote all those pulp novels and they had like humans had gone off to space and they started landing on these planets where there was magic and sorcery. So you had like all these humans from other planets. I know her from Mr. Babylon. So that sounds yeah, super she did cool, that though. later on. But like her original stuff was like old pulp. She had this whole series of pulp fantasy. I've got I've got probably a stack of 30 of those old pulp books she did in the that other. Sounds room. awesome. <laughs> I got like a disc, like a thing on eBay one time of like huge stack of very Zimmer Bradley ancient pulp fantasy novels. And yeah, a lot of that early pulp stuff, like you're saying, it's that sci-fi is there. And then there's people who try to put that out there like in their games and be intentional about, oh, this is a genre like Goodman Games does a lot of that. They're really into the old pulp fiction. A hundred percent. And look, I think over time, as things get more popular and there's two things, one. Marketing ruins everything. And so they try to define something. But then two, we like defining things, even in the absence of marketing ruining everything. So we like knowing what we're, you know, we like having language to talk about the stuff that we like. So we like talking about, hey, you want to run a game? Well, what kind of game you want to run? Well, it's kind of medieval fantasy or it's sci-fi or it's spies meet Dracula. Um, if you're talking about you know, <laughs> oh, Dracula oh. the dossier. So when I, was, when I was a kid in high school, I was a bad kid. And I would always... Like one of the big things we like to do is skip school and go to the library. We'd go smoke a couple joints and go to the library. <laughs> We're supposed to be at school and we go in there stoned. And I'll never forget finding, I was so amazed and enthralled, Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I read this. So you mentioned that. I'm like, oh yeah, I've read some books. I've read some <laughs> But at the moment, that was the perfect book for me. 
uh, well, d- definitely Abbott and Costello, actually, also met Dracula. So you may want to have checked. I don't know if you checked that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've definitely seen those old Ab- I haven't seen those old Abbott and Costellos when they met Dracula and they Frankenstein, right? Uh, I think Didn't so. They, they, Frankenstein was but, the Wolfman. They, they met one of them. They met. I think a they met everybody. I think they're kind of like Elvis. They met everybody, basically, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I remember watching those years ago. Um, I want to say it, it may have been on the old V. Because I used to buy crap. Remember when they had those giant cases of, of VHS that were sold by like genre, and you get like twenty VHS tapes of like just crappy movies. Most of them were in the public domain. <laughs> I, I lived on those things. Every time I saw one, I had to have every monster movie, <laughs> every alien movie or whatever it was, or sword and sandals. <laughs> well, in fact, dude, speaking of sword and sandals, I remember that I would be interested in, I was really interested in Conan. And every time, you know, somebody was interested in something that was fantasy, I look at it, I'm like, well, this is cool. And I like this, but this isn't Conan. This isn't, you know, until later on we started saying no this is sword and sorcery or this is sword and sandal or whatever and this is this is sword and sandal but this isn't this isn't conan this is like clash of the titan and i love that movie that i remember a point in time when those skeletons was the coolest thing i'd ever seen on tv jason and the argonauts baby for oh, that is it jason and the argonauts and the skeletons not class oh i'm getting them confused it's clash of the titans was the little robot owl I love the owl. It was Jason the Argonauts. I always get those two confused. And uh, I remember when that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen on TV. And you compare that to like even the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which came out almost 20 years ago. Like we've we've made there have been big strides. made. <laughs> we've made we've made big, big strides. But I absolutely won't lie that in, in my mind for the first at least 10 years, Everything that occurred in Dungeons and Dragons moved in stop motion. Oh, like oh. every monster we encountered, whether I had seen it done in a, in a whatever Ray Harryhausen style or not, every monster we encountered moved oh, yeah. in that sort of slightly herky jerky stop motion because that's the way monsters moved in my mind because that's what I had seen. And the other thing is with monsters that that would move in my mind, because I definitely have a stop motion monsters in my mind when I do it. But the other one I see a lot of, especially with skeleton guys, is the um, the old Rankin Bass style. Things like The Last Unicorn and stuff like that really influences how I picture my D&D at the table. So I see like a lot of the art that's out now it's not really in line what i've been imagining when i'm dming this like that looks very different than what i pictured i pictured remember the skeleton on top of the fireplace in in the um the last unicorn and he's got like beer or something he's trying to drink or is it wine was it between that and the secret of nim it's a wonder i ever slept as a kid but that's neither here nor there yeah absolutely and the hobbit don't forget rankin bastard did the hobbit yeah so talk about to helping you define fantasy for us his kids that golem um, in the hobbit was the, sorry yeah. was that golem i'm thinking of yeah. that was really toady looking that was that was that was yeah. golem voiced by someone named brother something or other who was apparently the sort of comedian celebrity guy at, at that point in time and so look in fact people could argue again token is token uh what what, what genre is that it's kind so, of his own. so you know what let I, me just i got sort of, stuff to say about that one <laughs> well you know what? I think everyone who listens is going to have stuff to say about that. And the thing I want to, I think, throw out as a, as a please forgive us ahead of time 
this is not an academic podcast about what's what. This is really about like when we say let's talk about game genres. We're kind of just fat fingering our way through this. Yeah, we're just geeking out in the basement, a bunch of middle-aged men talking about. So D and D is going to be a genre. Get ready. What is T- D and D? Oh, is D&D, its own yeah. genre. Yeah, D and D. D and D, I think, has is is a complex thing. There are so many genres weaved in D and D, and people have tried to run so many different things with D and D, especially. The year 2000, when that um, open game license came out, every genre that existed, somebody had put some kind of book out for. Fifth edition, they're doing the same thing. There was the modern D20. I've got that on my bookshelf right now. The modern D20 book that came up for third edition. You know, they did Cthulhu there. They did Elric. They did. What didn't they make a role-playing game? Well, that was D20. They did a D20 Star Wars, didn't they? Well, you know what, though? That brings up a really good point. That brings up, you know, in, the, these, in these conversations we're going to have about genre, this is important. We're talk, I think we're talking here about setting, not about rules, right? So when we talk about D&D or whatever, or D20, right? There's, there's the difference between, like, your genre, which is, like, the setting of the game, and between your mechanical rules. We're not really going to talk about the rules, except, except that sometimes the rules affect the genre. Like GURPS with its super deadly one arrow will kill anybody, all right? Even if you're talking about medieval fantasy and GURPS and medieval fantasy and 5th edition D&D, even if you copy the same world, it's... It'd be hard pressed to say it's exactly the same genre because one is very heroic and that does affect the setting and feel. The tone is very heroic. And the other one, if you try to play very heroic in GURPS, you're going to be making a lot of characters. So, <laughs> so to some extent, I think we're not really going to be talking about well, there's the an intersection. Effect. We're Except talking about, yeah, we're talking intersectional role playing games. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a bad joke? Wow. <laughs> wow. There'll be college credit here, so make sure to get the... Yeah, wow. <laughs> so we're about at 15 minutes already. Holy. <laughs> it goes by really quick. <laughs> so Never we'll, get over like, how fast it goes. Yeah, so we'll, like, over the next... Like, it may not be weekly. It's probably going to be every other week because we're still doing blog reviews. We have so many things going on here, listeners. But So what we're going to do is we're going to have we're going to have a few more conversations over the next weeks and hopefully months and just talk about different genres here and see where that goes with role-playing and genres. Sounds excellent. Excellent. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. That Those of you that have, thank you so much. It really helps. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHailTrom. And uh, we have a Patreon. We could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards and keep those dice rolling. Thanks so much for listening.